Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. just explaining to Marco how um, WWE Monopoly works because I play it all the time. I'm an expert on how WWE Monopoly works and whoever, whoever, I've seen all kinds of different Monopoly versions, right? Every once in a while you get one. You get one as a gift because I'm, I'm really out there with my, my, my likes and my passions. People know what I like. Like everyone in my life knows I'm a big Beatles fan. Everybody in my life knows I'm a big Lord of the Rings guy. Everyone in my life knows Jack Bauer is the greatest television uh, character of all time. Yes, even better than Tony Soprano. Uh, well, he's right there with Tony Soprano. But 24 is my favorite television show. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open about my real passions, and I'm big on them. I believe in that. I believe in, and that's why, you know, I'm passionate about sports. Everyone in my life knows I'm a Yankee fan. Everyone in my life knows I'm a Giant fan. But... Uh, you know, my kids are so WWE fans. So, but I mean, oh my point, oh, I lost my train of thought. My point was every once in a while, I'll get a, a version of Monopoly. I'll get a, a Lord of the Rings Monopoly, or I'll get a Beatles Monopoly, or I'll get something along those lines, these like themed versions of things that we've all known and played with and, and whatever for years. And so I was, my wife and I, I think we were together. I'm pretty sure I was there. We were just walking through the store. You know, during Christmas shopping, not even out looking necessarily to buy them anything for Christmas, but it was around that time, uh, you know, probably mid to early November or something where we we kind of still had it on our minds or we just were starting to put it on our minds. And we were walking through the store and we saw a WWE Monopoly. We're like, hey, give it a try. They kind of like board games. Some board games, they, they play shoots and ladders and different things. So I go, oh, we'll give that a try. I did not know that that day I was locking myself into playing that game once a day. I play it at least once a day. Sometimes more than that, but we play it at least once a day, and the same thing happens every single time. Like the exact same things. We play at the dining room table. Every single time we play, my son Andrew will sit because he, the, the dining room table chairs are a little low and he's still short, so he'll be on his knees on the dining room table and every single time, he will have coins underneath him. He'll have his properties, which are in this game, are the the, the finishing moves. It's not like Park Place or different things. It's it's the Stone Cold Steve Stun. Uh, it's uh, the Stone Cold Stunner. It's the Rock Bottom. It's the Tombstone. All the properties are the finishing moves of the wrestlers. So every single time, I'll he'll land on something and have to pay either me or Tommy or the bank or something. And he's like, I, I don't know where my money is. Yeah, it's underneath your knees, buddy. We do this every time. Find a place to put your coins where you're not sitting on them. Like every single time, it's the same thing. And then, you know, someone will, they have these championship belts. You do all the, you, every time you pass go, you have another pay-per-view event. And... It's the same one, you know, we've done it a million times, and they will just lose it. 
I mean, I, I'm like, guys, we're not going to play if you're going to get mad at, you, at your brother for winning. Like, you just no, I want a rematch. That wasn't fair. It's like, yeah. But the best part about the game, as I was telling Marco, is that there's a definitive end. Like, that, thank God, whoever came up with that idea part of the game, thank you so much. I will love you forever. Because most, you know, you play Monopoly, it's until everyone ha- someone has all the money or everyone else is bankrupt or whatever. At least in this one, there are the nine pay-per-view events ending with WrestleMania. And once everyone's passed go and we get to the ninth passing of go, you play WrestleMania, and then that's it. And whoever, after you win WrestleMania, you count your assets. You count all the money. You count all your moves. You count all your championship belts. Put it all together, and there's a winner. And so thank God I at least have that. It takes about 25 minutes to a half hour. We play every single day. It's not. It's every single day. I am not kidding. Don't take this wrong because my hours are all over the place. I have, I have without question, since Christmas Day, played that game more than I have showered. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I hope you can still uh, respect me. But that is 100% true. Like they, it's just every single day. And this morning, I went to bed at six thirty. I'm not kidding, six thirty. I roll over at nine forty-five. They are staring at me, both of them, with with grins on their face. I'm like, "What's up, guys? Everything all right?" My wife's already out of bed. She's doing whatever. I have no idea. I'm alone in bed. It's nine forty-five. I look over. They're staring at me. I knew when I went to sleep that their school was canceled. Then I was in for this. I roll over. And it's, can we play the dice game? Can we play the wrestling dice game? Daddy, can we play the dice game? Come on, Daddy, can we play the dice game? Come on. And I'm like, yeah, all right, go downstairs, set it up. I'll be there in five minutes. And I try and go back to sleep, and from the basement you hear, Daddy, when are you going to come down and play the dice game? We're set up. We're all set up. Daddy, we're all set up. Daddy, 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 we're all set up. When are you coming down, Dad? And that does not stop until I get out of bed. So, yeah, I'm on, like, my fourth or fifth cup of coffee today because I slept, I don't know, two hours and 45 minutes, something like that. Then I was outside shoveling a little bit. It wasn't that much snow, but I had to dig out the cars, shovel a little bit. And you know what I heard while I was outside shuffling? Daddy! Daddy, we set up the game again, Daddy! I know we just played snow, played in the snow, and Mommy made us hot chocolates, but we want to play the guys game again, Daddy! That's what I heard all day. 877-337-6666. So what did I do? You know what I did. You know what I did. You know what I did. I went to the bathroom and pretended like I was struggling with my stomach just to hide. And I watched a new documentary. with, with So this is the segment where we call it, Daddy, why are you still on the potty? To hide from you so I don't have to play the wrestling game. But while I was in there, I watched a new trailer. I'm a big movie trailer guy, and there's a new Adam Sandler movie, and, a, and a, apparently a I think there's going to be some laughs in it, but it's not a comedy. He's an astronaut. Adam Sandler as an astronaut, and like a legit astronaut, this is not a comedy. This is not, you know, Billy Madison goes to space or Ernest goes to space. This is a legit. He's an astronaut who's on some sort of, it's called Spaceman, and he's an astronaut where he's, on some sort of mission where he's gone for months or maybe years and it's best for mankind, but he misses his wife. And then 
some sort of alien joins the ship and you're not sure if it's his own imagination playing tricks with him, his own mind that he's lost after months and months in isolation up in space, or if he's actually encountered an alien who's helping him rediscover himself and his passions and his loves and why he needs to get back home. Something along those lines. But it looked interesting. I'm in. I think Adam Sandler's an underrated good actor. I think he's, he's, I mean, it dep- some of the comedies have just been so bad at, at the tail end here. I mean, that, the one where he's the, the twins with him and Al Pacino, my God. I can't, I can't believe Al Pacino did that movie. There are some real doozies. But him as a legit solid actor, I think he's done a, really, he's done a pretty good job. He's, one, he's not quite Robin Williams. In my mind, Robin Williams is the greatest comedian. Uh, Jim Carrey's very good, too. But I, I still think Robin Williams is the best comedian, regular, like straight up act, serious actor. Joe Pesci, obviously. I don't know if you call him a comedian, comedian. Uh, you know, Adam Sandler kind of started in stand up, did SNL. I mean, he's legit comedian, had comedy albums. You know, Joe Pesci just did comedy movies as well as. I, mean, I don't think Joe Pesci ever did stand up. I can't think of a Joe Pesci stand up. But obviously, he was a tremendous straight actor, too. Just happened to do comedies as well. But the greatest, like, comedy turn, like, when he did regular movies was by far uh, Robin Williams for me. Go see Fisher King. Fisher King is about a radio host, honestly. Uh, A radio host who was, you know, on the cutting edge of a little bit, like, based off a Howard Stern type. And he had someone, one of his... his, uh, his listeners kind of go off the deep end, you know, do something terrible and, you know, cost people lives. And then years later, after he's been, you know, his radio career has been ruined, he finds this like homeless man on the street played by Robin Williams. And the storylines connect at the end. I don't want to ruin anything for you, but Robin Williams plays like a little bit of a, you know, mentally ill homeless man. And he's brilliant. Fisher King is a great movie. You get a chance. 877-337-6666. So there's a little bit of movie reviews. We heard on the update there. Let's get back to sports for a second. The Mets. The Mets and, and Stearns, he's ready to compete. I don't know about you, but nothing says compete like this Met offseason. Ooh-wee. The Mets should be competing for a postseason spot. I'm sorry. We all know it. He's talking. He's they. If, if you think that they honestly believe that they have done enough where they where they will be competing for a postseason spot like they know it, you're fooling yourself. This Mets rotation is not good enough. This Mets bullpen is not good enough. The lineup could be good enough, but they need to add another bat. And if they do not add another bat and they do not add more bullpen pieces, they are flat out lying to you when they tell you they are ready to compete. And I we we've talked about this forever. I can't continue to do it. We heard from Mendoza, we heard from Stearns today from Andy Martino, and ultimately we know what it is. I it's an underwhelming offseason. It's an underwhelming plan with a rich owner. It makes no sense to me, and we'll we'll see what happens. But honestly. Playoffs is something I don't see for this team right now, and that should never – I should be 100%. Same thing with the Yankees, and right now I am. I am 100% confident the Yankees are a playoff team. I should be the same. I should be one – we shouldn't – and here's the gist of it. 
the GM of the Mets, the president of baseball operations for the New York Mets, owned by Steve Cohen, should never, ever have to sell you on the idea that they expect to be a playoff team. That should never be the case. It should never it should never need to be said. I'm sorry. I don't care the plan. I don't care what they're trying to build. I don't care how many you how many young kids they're depending on. The New York Mets right now have to sell you that they are a playoff team. And that's embarrassing. On some level, it's embarrassing. Now, if they get there, they get there. Anything can happen. Maybe they'll add at the trade deadline, but they are not operating like a franchise who has the richest owner in the sport. I don't care what their payroll is. I don't care how much money he's lost. Year in and year out, you should be guaranteed, guaranteed to feel like you're a playoff team. Last year they weren't, and that's the argument, right? Last year they weren't. Last year at the beginning of the year, I was... I would have told you, yes, they're a guaranteed playoff team, and they weren't. So ultimately, what does guarantees do you? I'd take a crap in a box right now and mark it guaranteed. To quote uh, the great Tommy boy. But all it means is I sold you a guaranteed piece of crap. So I get that. Last year, we thought it was a guarantee. Ended up not being, but it should not be such a hard sell to the fan base that you're a playoff team. That should come easy. And I'm sorry, there are guys still out there available, no doubt. This, the offseason is nowhere near over. And there are bats to be had. There are pitchers to be had. And we've heard them connected to some of these guys. Right? So the Mets and Soler have been connected. Like, it's time to go make a move. It's time to bring a legitimate bat, a DH, to this lineup, and another outfielder to this lineup. And it's time to, you know, I, I they were somewhat connected to Snell. Go get Snell. Go get Montgomery. Go overpay for Montgomery. He's on your timeline. I, I can't keep saying this. But for this owner, the, 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 the baseball operations guy in David Stearns to come out and say, hey, we expect to field a, a caliber team because that's what the fan base expects. Yeah, I, or maybe not. Because I'm, I have too many Met fans who are completely complacent and completely okay with what's going on here. 877-337-6666. Let's get to the phone calls. Jimmy and Rutherford. What's up, Jim? So, Seema, how you doing, bud? Good, buddy. How are you? Not bad. I was just laughing at the story of uh, your uh, WWE Monopoly. Yeah. So I got five. I got five kids, and uh, right. my little guy, he's eight. But when he was around four years old, um, I, I worked the overnight shift and whatnot, and mm. I would get in around like six thirty in the morning one night. I would try to lay down, and this little guy would wake up and literally put steal his older brother's uh, little league uniform on and okay. his sleeps and dress <laughs> up. And come into the room, and and take the wiffle ball bat, slap it on the mattress. Said, "Dad, get up, we gotta play." And I'm like, <laughs> I'm talking about like every day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I so I know the pain. It's, it, it's a good pain, you know. Yeah, it's so a good pain. And, you know, and, and and on a normal day, like yeah. I, I on a normal day, this isn't the case because they have school, and I take them to school. Like I have my yeah. wife goes to work; she's a teacher as well, so she was off mm-hmm. as well. But so my normal yeah, yeah, so, my normal days, yeah, yeah. I come home and I go right into. I don't go mm-hmm. to sleep. I come home I, and I go right into the breakfast with the, the everything. Yep. I get them yep. dressed. I have breakfast yep. with them. I take them to school. And it's yep. great. And if we have time, if they're up early enough and we have time to play the game, I don't mind it. It just so yeah, happened. Probably, it I just so happens yesterday was an opportunity, you know, because they're off full advantage of it. to just get some sleep. <laughs> 
and like and they took you know, full advantage of and, me being home. And they took full advantage of me being home. Yes, correct. Yeah, no, yeah, I know that that whole you know get at six thirty, school starts at eight o'clock, and I would stay up, breakfast, all that, even pause, whatever. Yep. You know, so like I said, hopefully, you know, when we get old and we tell these stories, to, you know, the, the, they'll the appreciate boys, it. You know, yeah, they'll appreciate it. Hey, dad was there and sacrificed a lot of our time, you know, working the overnight shift, yep. and you know, it's hard. You know, it's hard on the family in a way, but you know, it's not it spoken, be. but it's I, there. I see more of them now than I did working the, the afternoon shift, like because I would come home. Yeah, yeah. I would come home and they'd be, if not in bed, pretty much you know minutes away from bed. I would have 10, 15 minutes with them, uh, and yeah. and because I would get home at eight thirty, I'm an hour and a half away, so the show would end at six thirty. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It was almost two hours door to door if there was traffic or I took the train. Yeah, like yeah. so, mm-hmm. I was I was getting home at eight thirty and hardly seeing them. And now yeah. I'm seeing them a lot more. I'm taking them to school. I'm home when they get home from school. The weekends I'm yeah. still off, so like I'm seeing more of them. I'm a bit of a zombie at times. I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, but those five, six, a cup of coffees will catch up to you. Yeah, like I said, you ain't kidding. That's you ain't the kidding. price we pay for being fathers and good ones. I know. Uh, so it's you know uh, good job on that one. But I'm, well, you too. Uh, see, so I was going to change uh, gears real quick. Uh, I was calling about the Giants, but I'm listening yeah. to your whole Mets. And the president of uh, baseball operations, like you said, shouldn't be selling the Mets fan base uh, that they should be a contending team. And if he feels like what he has now going into the season without making these moves, then you know what? The Mets fans should put a brown paper bag over their face and just laugh at themselves because what they just pretty much basically did, like you said, was lie. He sold you a bag of goods. Yeah. He doesn't get the pitching. He doesn't get the bats. No, you know I mean, I mean? He, like, he can say they expect them, to. He, he can say they expect to compete, and and maybe just maybe. I mean, it is a team that won 110, 110, 101 games two years ago. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a chance the offense carries them, and you know, Quintana and and Severino does have a good year. I mean, it's not impossible, but I, I'm sorry, you can't tell me that they are in a position right now where they know, especially nah, in a division nah. where they have Atlanta and Philadelphia yeah, but you know the and a Marlins so team. Far when you need a deep pitching and a deep pen to take you deep into the playoffs and you're going to make it, yeah. you know, in a healthy team. And it's just and, they, the and they're relying like, so much on Edwin Diaz, who didn't pitch all of last year. With I mean, I'm hoping he comes back and is fine. But yeah. let's be honest, he's had one good year with the New York yeah. Mets. Was it two years it was, ago? Two years two ago. Years ago. It was an incredible year. He was the best yeah. reliever in baseball. And yep. and I had no problem giving him the contract because he he earned it yep. and Steve Cohen can afford it. But let's be honest, since he's, he I mean, up until he, up know? until two years ago, there was still a question whether or not the trade was successful. Yeah, uh, because he was shaky. He blew a couple of saves. Like he's like oh, wow, a bunch of saves. Yeah, line. I mean, he blew a bunch. Yeah, he was, was not first year. You know? Yeah, he was not very good. And even and no, even and, yeah, and even with um, uh, what's his name? They sent to Seattle, and this is part of also being up all day long. Um. The prospect they sent to Seattle, I can't think of his name. I'm gonna, it's gonna drive me nuts. Kale, uh, Kale, uh, Kalenic, Kelnick, thank you. I got it myself. I said thank you, but they didn't help me. I did it all myself. I got the look from Carlos, like, what? what I, I can tell you're looking for something, but I don't know. Say it one more time. But I got it all by myself. Jared Kalenic, um, even while he struggled with with Seattle, it was still like, hey, I think it was the trade worth it. It was a bad, like, I was up until he's had one good year with the Mets. And, yeah, it happened to be he was the best reliever in baseball that year, and I firmly expect him to be good, but he's coming off a, a, a major knee injury that cost him all of last year. It might take some time. The bullpen's not good enough. The rotation's not good enough. And the lineup is missing a bat at the bare minimum. And I don't even know what's going to happen at third base. Like, there are, there are holes in this team. But, hey, there is a chance 
that Quintana and Sanga are legitimately good at the top of the rotation. There's a chance that uh, you could see uh, Manaya, who was starting uh, with a couple of a couple of starts at the end of the year, turn it around. Uh, Luis Severino stays healthy and stops tipping pitches, which is that now the Mets are selling you on that. That the only reason he struggled was because he was tipping pitches. Uh, there's a chance it's better, and that lineup. There's a chance that McNeil goes back to being batting title McNeil, and Beatty uh, figures out third base or Vientos, you know, whatever they do at third base uh, comes to fruition. And and I would think it would be Beatty really starts to hit and plays better in the field and becomes a dynamic force. And and Pete Alonso and Lindor are as at the top of their games in the lineup does enough and they get into the playoffs. I can't imagine them being better than Philadelphia. I can't imagine them being better than Atlanta. I think Miami is a, a, a good, you know, team. The Dodgers are obviously excellent. The Padres are, are coming down, but still have a lot of talent. The Diamondbacks were just in the world series. I mean, the national league has good teams in it. You, it's, it's tough to just tell me, you know, right now for sure. That the New York Mets are a playoff team, or that's what they expect to be. I mean, there's an extra playoff team, and there's also going about the trade deadline. So I think it's an easy thing to say, and you could sell me on it, but I shouldn't have to be sold. Not with this owner. Shouldn't have to be sold so hard. Shouldn't be such a hard sell. I shouldn't have to like go, well, I mean, I guess, right? If this, that, the other. They have not shown any urgency to make this team a for sure playoff team, none, and it doesn't take that much. It doesn't take that much. They don't need to go out and trade for Juan Soto, get Yamamoto, get Snell, you know, get to Oscar Hernandez. Like they didn't have to do all that. Get another bat. Get another legitimate bat here. Add another star. Add instead of adding all high risk, uh, you know, high uh, high reward, low risk guys. Add one positive. Add one sure thing. Add a couple, you know, add a little bit more of a an eighth inning guy to the back end of the bullpen. I, you know, do something. It didn't take that much. What they've done is not enough. 877-337-6666. McGuanagle here with you. Maybe we come back, talk a little Rangers, because I got to tell you, the Rangers are still one of the best teams in hockey. The Rangers have now won two games in a row. The goalie has played a couple of good games in a row. Panarin is as we'll get into Panarin how good he's been, but if they are going to be a Stanley Cup team, there's still work to do. And if you look at how this team has played, they went it went through its worst stretch of the season, had a four game losing streak, and we'll get into some of the reasons why I am concerned with this Rangers team. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six plus one of my one of our favorite celebrities apparently is coming back to haunt her husband. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Oh, yeah, 231. Bum, 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 bum. So clean, clean. 2.32. McMonagle here with you on the fan. Halfway through. 2.32 and halfway through. There you go. I, maybe I could join Outcast. Do they still? Are they still together? Eh. Haven't heard much from them. 
Uh, he he got into acting. He was actually really good as um, Jimi Hendrix. I only saw parts of it, but he was actually pretty good as Jimi Hendrix. I don't know if they put out any uh, new music recently, but nothing as talented as 232 halfway through. Can't make that stuff up. All right, halfway through our five-hour midnight ride. McMonagall here with you till 5 o'clock. And the warm-up show, we talked a little bit of everything. I did see the the story about Hulk Hogan uh, saving um, someone in a flipped-over car. Like, what are the odds? I mean, can you imagine being in that situation and seeing someone like Hulk Hogan coming to rip the door open? Like, I remember the, the famous story of, of Joe Girardi helping with a car accident on the way home from winning the World Series at Yankee Stadium. But, like, can you imagine having a flipped-over car and then so you'd feel like, I mean, it would be like the Incredible Hulk came and ripped the I mean, if he was there still with the the 36-inch pythons or whatever in the, the, the whole thing, hold on, brother. We'll get you out of there. I mean, hope you had your vitamins, drank your milk. That'll help your bones. See if you didn't break anything. No, I did not sleep with Miss Elizabeth. But I, I can't imagine him being the one to help you. I wouldn't even know what to do. That's awesome. And then you would think, I like, I would, I'm the weird kind of guy. I would be like, I'd be looking for more than just help me out. I'd be like, now we're best friends, right? Now we're hanging out. Now you're gonna do things for my kids. Now you're coming to my kids' birthday parties. Like we have a relationship now, don't we, Hulk? Like I'd be the worst. Can you imagine if like a celebrity helped you with something like that? I'd be like so thankful, and then I'd be like, hey man, what's your number? We got to hang out. Thank you so much. I got to, oh, yeah, give me your address. I gotta, I'm got. i going to send you a thank you gift. This is so awesome. Uh, it'll help you in PR. Give me a new friend. I'm all in. I'm all in. That's what I would say. I'd say, Hulk, I'm all in. Let's go. We're going to be new best buds. That's what I want. I want Hulk Hogan saving my life. Or anyone saving my life. Kiefer Sutherland saves my life. Oh, he'll never, that's it. He'll never get rid of me. He'll regret saving my life every day from that point on. I will never leave Kiefer alone. Paul McCartney saves my life. Forget about it. I will follow him to England. I'll follow him across the country. He's doing he's doing tours in Australia right now. I will, that's it. Me and Paul are, are tight. You saved my life, Paul. You're never getting rid of me. Hope you know that now. If you walk up on and you see this face, just keep walking, Paul, because I'll never stop. I'll never stop. All right, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. 877-337-6666. I did want to talk about the Rangers. The New York Rangers got their second win in a row with a, a convincing win, 5-2 over the Kraken after a good performance and a much-needed win against the Capitals a couple days ago. And the Rangers are still, look, the Rangers are one of the best teams in hockey. And I've talked about uh, my my issues with Igor and my concerns about uh, Shosturkin and 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 the way he's played this season, which is still very good. And he made a, he was he was great the other day against the Capitals. He made good saves in this game too. Uh, he's he's done a nice overall job. And when he wants to play, or when he you know when he can play, 
He's one of the better goalies in the league when he's at the top of his game. I have noticed, I think most fans have, that he's not as consistent as he was a couple years ago. I, I He's just not as locked down as he's been on a regular basis. Now, the defense in front of him hasn't been great. And let's be honest, you know, when you look at this Ranger team, they've been living off the power play. Like, they have not been that good a five-on-five team. They've been living off the power play. And when they went through their four-game losing streak, when they lost to the Canadians, when they lost to the Canucks, when they lost to the Blues and Capitals, their power play went cold. And so that's still something that scares me and why why I referred to Igor and talked about the goal scoring kind of going, you know, going away come playoff time, or at least my fear is that it goes away come playing playoff time because they have not been a dominant five-on-five team. They've been an excellent power play team. And if the power play goes cold, the goals go cold, and that's when you need Igor to be the best goalie in the league or one of and help this Ranger team get through this postseason because we've seen it before. And they've been struggling five on five. They've been struggling getting any, uh, you know, production from the bottom six. And, and thankfully, they did. You know, uh, Gustafson with a goal. Uh, Blake Wheeler had two. One of them being an empty netter in this game. But it's good to see Wheeler get on the board. And Gustafson, they've gone through kind of a bit of a slump. They're not really getting any other production other than the top, uh, the top lines. And I mean. You watch the games. I, I, you know, Panarin is just such an incredible player. And he's really come on this year. And it seems like really taking that role of being the best player. Like, you, you've always felt like he, he was and he is. But, you know, Zabanajad has been right there with him. And right now it just feels like Panarin has taken that next step that you, you weren't even sure he needed to take. That's how good he's been. But he's been more assertive. He's taken more shots. He's putting more shots on the on 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 the net uh, consistently. He's jumped up his average uh, shots on goal to around four from around two and a half or so. He's really been more assertive in trying to score goals. In the game last night, the the first game of the the first goal of the game was an incredible, incredible pass where it was almost Patrick Mahomes like it was it was a no look pass. But I mean, what you've gotten out of him, the step up from Lafreniere. That line with with uh, Lafoniere and Panarin has been one of the best, has been their best and most dynamic lines. Zabinajad, uh, Zabanajad has been great as well. You know Kreider, and I saw this in the um, the Larry Brooks article. So I don't want to. It's not just my idea. You know Kreider is great, right? And he deserves everything he's going to get. He's probably going to go up in the rafters. He's one of the great Rangers of all time. Playoff goals, tough, gritty goals, but like a lot of his game. Is in front of the net, which is important, and he, he and you know, but it's it's almost like he's and I and again, Larry Larry said this, and I, and I kind of agree. It's almost like he's limited to that right now. Like he's so strong in front of the net, he's great with deflections, he's got instinct, and he's a great he's you know he's a great goal scorer. But it seems like that's kind of the thing. And so so really, when I watch the team, they're going to need some depth. They're going to need some more scoring. They're going to need to get better five on five. They're going to have to make sure the power play is great. And this defense and the goalie have to be there because if the if the power play goes cold, you see what happens. And they went on a four-game losing streak. Now, they're going to be a playoff team. They're one of the best teams in, in the division. Um, they're one of the best teams in hockey. And I fully expect them to be there. But they're, I, I do think this team does need to make sure, and Drury needs to go out and make sure he bolsters this team because this is the year. This is the year you go all in and try and win a championship. They are right there. 
Panarin's playing some of the best hockey that's being played in the league right now. They still have Igor. I'm concerned about him a little bit, but I know what he can be when he's right. And if they can get some depth and they can get some scoring, Kako coming back and scoring a goal is big. Haven't hasn't hasn't been around for a while. He's back and healthy. We're not sure about uh, Philip Yidel yet. Um, Yidel, if he's going to come back healthy, I know he's been dealing with concussions. That's scary. He's had you know just a ton of concussions. Not sure if his his career, let alone the season, is in jeopardy. It sounds like he's making his way back, or at least feeling like maybe it's possible he can make his way back. But they need some depth. And it was good to see Wheeler, you know, get a couple goals. Uh, Eric Gustafson uh, get on the board. Like they need some depth scoring, and they need to find a way to get some to get some goals, even five on five. And they need to figure out how to get the goalie as uh, a little bit more consistent, more like he played two years ago. But still, watching this team, you love the you, you love um, watching Panarin play. You love the fight of the team when when um, Igor is at his best. He's he's fun to watch, and he's one of the best goalies in the league. And now, right now, back on a two-game winning streak, settled things out after a four-game losing streak. And still, I expect it's but it's about building the playoff team right now. I fully expect them to be good enough to continue to do this, continue to win, continue to be uh, you know, and and get into the playoffs easy and probably win this division. But ultimately, can they? It's time to win a cup. There's nothing else left to do. So we'll see what moves they make because they need some depth and they need to improve their defense and they need to figure out a way to win games when they're not scoring on the power play. 877-337-6666. Scott in Water's Edge. What's up, Scott? Hello. Hello. What's going on? Uh, I don't know. You called me. I'm just you well, know, talking <laughs> stuff. You know. I'm... I'm sorry. Yeah, I wanted to talk about... Uh... Well, first of all, I want to start about talking about first time, long time. Oh, you want to talk about first time, long time, or you just want to well, say I first mean, time? I just time. want to say first time, long time. Oh, well, thank you for calling. I'm 46 me. years old, and Howie Rose used to put me to bed at 12 years old. Like, I, you know, I used to trick my mom because I had a radio on my alarm. So I right. can actually like listen, sure, you know, to some, um, yeah, and that like put me to bed, you know, at night. So that like that's you know, you know, where I want to go. But I want to talk about Don Mattingly Hall of Fame. Don Mattingly Hall of Fame. Scott, I love you. What do you want to talk? What about Don Mattingly Hall of Fame? I mean, do you he, think I'm my, assuming you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I mean, I'm maybe biased, but I mean, other than, you know, a, a world series championship, I don't know how you can deny him. Well, he didn't have the years, unfortunately. That's really the, that's how he's get, being denied. It's not the championships necessarily. It's the amount of years he gave you hall of fame stats before his back went out. I mean, that's, I, that, mean, I mean, can we, uh, he was we the best probably... player. He was the best player. If not, he was one of, if not the best player in baseball, for I don't know four or five years, and typically, yeah. and typically that's not enough. And yeah. It's just it's not that's how it's viewed. So I mean, you know, in eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, uh, eighty seven, eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine. So from eighty four to eighty nine. So let's let's give him eighty seven, eighty eight, even though it's a bit of a down year. But one, two, three, 
four, five, six. He had six Hall of Fame caliber seasons before he fell off. I mean, and he, and he fell off. And that's the problem. He fell off. Okay, well. 1995 home runs, 91, nine home runs, 92, 14 home runs, 93, 17 home runs, 42 RBIs, 68 RBIs, 86 RBIs, 51 RBIs, like uh, OPS of 643, 733, 742. Gold gloves. Yes, he's got a lot of gold gloves. He's got... one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Unfortunately for him, he played a position that isn't uh, necessarily associated with the importance of great defense. Keith Hernandez is probably the only first baseman I will tell you 100% is better than him. Keith Hernandez is the greatest first baseman in my mind to ever live. Again, didn't sure. see didn't see either of them in their prime necessarily, but uh, Keith Hernandez, watching the, the clips, hearing people and listening to people I respect, Keith Hernandez yeah, is the, I, is the I, best... I mean, is the best defensive first baseman, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, the Gold Gloves, the the handful of years. I mean, you're eighty four to eighty seven, eighty four to eighty eight. You're talking about the best. I mean, there's black type all over, yeah, all but, over uh, his page. Uh, in, in those years, incredible, incredible player. In in those years, who's better? Nobody, nobody, no, nobody's much better. Nobody's nobody's obviously better. You're right. He's the best player in baseball. He won the MVP in eighty five. Wins the batting title in '84. I mean, you're talking about a five-year stretch where he he averages he gets 200 hits a year, he gets 45 doubles a year, he hits 30 home runs a year, he drives in 115, 20 runs a year, he hits 330, he has an OPS somewhere in the mid 900s, he leads the league in total bases. Like he's he's an incredible player for four straight years. And then his back didn't allow him to be that player anymore. You have to, as much as I I don't like compilers and as much as I don't like the guys who played forever and get 3,000 hits or get 500 home runs, I'd rather have the career of the brilliant and shorter. But even I have to admit, Don Manley's career is just too short. If he had another, if he had another three years, if he had a good uh, seven or eight straight Hall of Fame years, I'd be more into it. Unfortunately, it's just, it's 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 three or four brilliant years, and it's just not enough. And this is coming from a Yankee fan whose first hero was Don Mattingly. I love Don Mattingly and Wade Boggs; those are my guys. I didn't when I first started to come up. I didn't know the history of Wade Boggs with the Red Sox. He was my third baseman. My dad played third base. I loved third base. Don Mattingly was Don Mattingly. Those were my two guys. I love Don and Wade. Those are my heroes to start my my Yankee fandom. I love Don Mattingly. He's not a Hall of Famer, unfortunately. I just I just don't think the years are there. If you want to, if you, he's as great as anyone, uh, three top five MVP finishes, four top ten MVP finishes. All those gold gloves, three silver sluggers, a one, two, three, four, five, six-time All-Star. He's a great player. And in his prime, as good as anyone. But his back just did him in, much like David Wright. But I did, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about making a Hall of Fame case. And I don't usually do this. I, 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 I'm I, not one to really complain or, or go nuts about someone, but... I do think there is someone who's a absolute Hall of Famer. And this is, I, I, 
you know, and I wanted to do this live. I didn't even want to go and really get statistics to back up. I just wanted to like say it out, say it out loud, and then go back and maybe look at it. To me, and this is when we talk about compilers. He he ends up being a little bit of a compiler at the end of his career, but I think Gary Sheffield is an absolute Hall of Famer. For me, I look Gary Sheffield had years of being one of the more imposing and dangerous hitters in the sport. Like, that's, for me, like, I don't care about the numbers. Now, his career, he's going to average over 162. He's a 292 career hitter. He's a 900, and he's a, he's a .9, a 907 OPS for his career. His, his, his average year was 32 home runs and 105 RBIs, and he played 22 years. Now, I understand... You get into the steroid issue with him. He's admitted, I believe he's admitted to using the cream and the clear, which is, you know, ointments you would rub on your body. But I'm the, I put all the steroid guys in. I put the entire, my what I would do is have a steroid wing or something of it where everybody who played under those years, from Derek Jeter to Mark McGuire, from the most least likely of the, the, the Jeters and the Griffies, to the most likely and obvious of Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and whatever, they all get it on their nameplate, played under the suspicion of the steroid era, and everybody gets in. They, they, I don't want to get into all the details about the steroids. They allowed it. They were part of it. They were in the union. It was. It's just great players are great players, and I and I can't. I I just I hate the idea that some of the greatest players in history aren't in the Hall of Fame. But it doesn't matter to me. Gary Sheffield, for me. When he stepped in the box, you were afraid. And I, in my mind, it does it's not the be-all end all, but I firmly think that is one of the main criteria. Like when I think of a player, was I afraid to face him? And without question, Gary Sheffield was an imposing hitter. You were afraid to face him. Like at times, like for example, like Jim Tomey's going to end the Hall of Fame. Jim Tomey, great home run hitter, and you know if I was down three runs with the bases loaded, I'd be afraid to face Jim Tomey. But runner on second, two outs, give me Jim Tomey any day of the week over Gary Sheffield. Like it's not even a question who I'd rather face. I'd rather face Jim Tomey, and that's not to knock Jim Tomey or why his name popped into my head. It just did. But you are talking about a guy, a 300 career, a 292 career hitter, a 500 career slugging, and a 900 OPS guy. Now, never won an MVP. Uh, top five MVP finishes. One, two, three, three top five MVP finishes. He played right in the middle of the steroid era. His numbers might not jump out at you. He won a batting title. He's, you know, he was with the Marlins in 97, so he's won a championship. He did bounce around and played for a lot of teams, but man, oh man, if he wasn't an imposing figure, and I just don't think he's getting enough. This is the last year, I believe, of his eligibility uh, to make it to the Hall of Fame without being on the veteran committee. And just because that previous caller mentioned Don Mattingly to it, I was thinking about this the other day. To me, Gary Sheffield is one of the more dangerous, scary hitters to come across that I've seen in my years of watching baseball. And he's absolutely a Hall of Famer to me. And the same thing with like we get into the Albert Bell. I know that's been Joe Beningo's 
uh, bane of his existence, and him and, and Evan have made this argument forever. I, I, I Now, he had a more just unbelievable eight, nine-year run, and Bell was probably even better than than uh, than Sheffield was in his prime. But that's – like I think of – he was just a dang- – you didn't want to face him. He was a dangerous hitter. And some of these guys that, that get into the Hall of Fame – who have you know long term numbers and and different things? I like there are guys in the Hall of Fame without question who I'd much rather face than Gary Sheffield. And he had a long career, and he has the 500 home runs. He has some of those pile on numbers. He has some of those compiler numbers that get you into the Hall of Fame. He's a right handed hitter who's eight points shy of, of of a 300 batting average, 900 OPS, and he played for 22 years. And he was in the middle of every lineup he was in. He was a devastating force. And, I mean, his his bat waggle is infamous. And he was a dangerous hitter. And I think on his last year, he's someone who gets who should get more consideration to be in the Hall of Fame. And I, and I don't think we take that into consideration enough. We'll look at the numbers. We'll look at the black print. We'll look at who how many MVP finishes and this and that. Bottom line, when he stepped to the plate, were you afraid? And for a 22-year career, yeah, I was afraid. I was afraid, and he obviously played for the Yankees, and I felt good every time he came up. And he hit wicked line drives. He hit the ball as hard as anyone. Gary Sheffield, for me, is a Hall of Famer. Let's squeeze in Jose before we take a quick break. Jose, what's up? Jose in Island Park, you're on hey, the fan. Hey, how are you, Ben? What's up, buddy? How you doing? I miss you. I miss you in, uh, in the afternoons with oh, Craig and everybody. I appreciate it. I miss you, too. I miss that, I miss that show. i got to reach out to Craig, namely because I'm looking uh, – to get hooked up with tickets. So I got to reach out to Craig. <laughs> I love I love the baseball talk, man. I love the baseball talk. I love it. Yeah. This, I was uh, I was just down in DR. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever went down there to, to watch the games? I've, I've, I went to DR to celebrate getting engaged. I've, I've never seen the games, no. I've oh, been to yeah, DR. I love it. Uh, the games are crazy. The fans are everyone is. No, I got, I got the worst. I, I got the I got the worst case of sunburn I've ever had in my life in the, in the <laughs> DR. I didn't. I'm a tough guy. I don't put much sunblock on. You know, I've been in the sun before. No big deal. They used to call me the they used to call me the uh, the bear uh, when I was a kid because I would always like just have this unbelievable brown tan. And um, you know, so I never really thought much about it. And I was by the pool all day in the Dominican uh, Republic, and I got such a sunburn that next day. Me and my wife had scheduled, um, uh, you know, a tandem massage, and I walked in there, and they wouldn't even touch me. They were like, <laughs> no, they they were like, here's aloe, here's a towel, go put the aloe on your sh- the aloe on your shoulder, and put the towel over yourself, and sit in the corner because we are we're gonna rub the skin right off of you if you try to get a massage. I was like, okay, I oh still for years I could see some of the the lines in my shoulder. I'm, I'm I gotta. Make sure every year I go to the doctor and check it out because I burned myself that bad. It'll get you. It'll get you. It'll get I, you. I, I want to talk about Sterling Marte though. I um, I think you know the Mets fans. I'm a bit. I'm I'm a Mets fan. I'm I'm a New York guy. I think you know this guy is going to be the comeback player of the year. I'm watching him play down there. Yeah. This guy. Um. And when you're when you're down there, you know you can talk to the players. You can hang out. They always go to this little bar. It's literally like five minutes from the stadium. Right. And the bar is called uh, Cuba de Pinga. And Marte, we're all having drinks. And he's telling me it's a nice little place. Everyone eats food there, Cuba de Pinga. And uh, he, uh, he's telling me this is going to be. Yeah, I, 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 
I don't know if you guys caught that. I got it the, the second time. I knew it when he said it the second time. I wasn't sure that's I'm, – I'm pretty sure he's saying things he shouldn't say in Spanish. Are you guys aware of what's going on back there? Hello. Did you guys listen to that call at all? Yeah, the Marte call with Jesse. Yeah. He kept on saying – not Jesse. Jesse's on there, yeah, but it was Zach. He kept on saying the name of the bar. I think, um, I think one of the words he used is bad, not positive. We'll see what happens. It, it, it caught me off guard. 877-337-6666. Jesse, you're up next after we get back from the update. Three hours down, two more to go. Right here on the fan. McMonagle here with you. <laughs> uh, sometimes the funny stuff happens at 255. There's no doubt about it. All right. We got you till 5 o'clock. We'll get into baseball here if you want. We'll have a little fun. The Yankees still need to make a move. I mean, it is just so quiet on the on the Western front here with nothing going on, just absolutely nothing in this offseason. It's just the slowest, dragged-out, ridiculous baseball offseason. The amount of big-time free agents still available is mind-boggling to me on January 17th. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. And we don't know what the Yankees are going to do. Should they go get Hater? Should they try it? Should they re-engage with Snell? Are they done with the pitching? Do you do anything else? What I mean, you need a, probably a couple of bullpen arms. Do they go and give Hader $100 million? I just don't know. In fact, I would say no. I'd rather not do that. They are better at building the bullpen than almost anyone in baseball, and I'd rather see them put the money elsewhere. I want another starting pitcher. That's what I want.